Welcome back to Just Some People. It's BJ Brig once again. Glad you guys joined us, or ladies, or whomever joined us. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, I think most, I think you get the idea by now that this is going to be basically an interview show with people I know. But every now and again, I feel like there's going to be times where I just have to talk a little bit. So uh, today is one of those times. If you have been paying attention to the news at all, if you're a news person, you would have learned that Donald Trump had just been indicted on Thursday night, June 8th, I believe, uh, on federal charges for mishandling classified documents. Uh, If you can't tell by now, and you probably can't because I haven't mentioned it, but I do not like Donald Trump. I actually think he's a detestable human being. And it just so happens that the person I interviewed this week shares that hatred with me. And it was interesting because we actually got into we got into the uh, indictment talk and if he would be indicted and what it would be like and what would happen. So it actually happened. So this podcast will seem a little bit dated. I was going to release it next week, but I'm actually going to release it now, uh, whenever now is, which would probably be Friday, June 9th. Because uh, I think we really want to get this one out as soon as possible. Me and Ken uh, is the guy I interviewed this week, Ken Rodrigo. Uh, we didn't spend hours talking about Donald Trump. It's probably about maybe 15, 20 minutes in between a lot of other good stuff. But uh, it's definitely in there. And I got to say, it feels good, even though we don't know if there's going to be justice done. What is justice anyway? What would justice be for Donald Trump? I think a lot of people remember there was a time in 2016 where Republicans wanted to throw Hillary in jail. It was probably... The, the, the main rallying cry, we had neighbors who had signs out that said Hillary for prison 2016. And I didn't like Hillary Clinton. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. I don't think she would have been a good president. Uh, she would have been a lot better than Donald Trump. <laughs> that goes without saying. But the energy from Republicans and conservatives was all about persecuting uh, th- their political opponents. They wanted nothing more than to persecute their political opponents. QAnon has become a very uh, popular online conspiracy theory. If you look at the origins of QAnon and what they really wanted to accomplish with QAnon, it had all to do with sweeping indictments of all their political opponents. And they, they swore that there was sealed indictments and they were just waiting to be released. The storm was coming. The storm is coming. And the storm hasn't came. Because while Democrats aren't the best people on earth, um, you know, maybe they're just smarter criminals. They're not as stupid as Donald Trump was. But lo and behold, Donald Trump was stupid. And he's a moron. And he's an arrogant, bloviating prick. And that's why he's in the spot he is in right now. He ran his mouth about having secret documents to his buddies because he's a narcissistic egomaniac who wanted to seem the most important person in the world, even though he isn't. He failed. He lost. He's a loser. And now the loser will have to face some sort of judgment. Uh, I I can say I I don't care if he goes to prison. I really don't. Uh, I don't think he will go to prison. He's a billionaire. He's a former president. We're probably not going to put a former president in jail. It's probably just not going to happen. 
But what I do care about is that we do something that actually matters. And we prevent somebody who was waving around uh, secrets about how we would invade a country if we were to go to war with them. It's what he was doing. We have to make it so that person can never become president again, never hold office. An example has to be made. So that's enough of my Donald Trump soapbox. (laughs) I just had to get that out. Um, Like I said, you're going to hear a little bit more of that with this podcast. Uh, I'm interviewing a good friend of mine today, a guy who I've known since about 2018. We worked together for a long time, gained a massive amount of respect for him, for his work ethic, but also for the person he is. There's going to be some interesting stories along the way. So I, I would say it's another long podcast. It's one like I did with Dave. So just, you know, be patient. There's going to be good stuff in there. There's some stuff about baseball, some stuff about drinking, some stuff about the Catholic Church, some stuff about Donald Trump. You're literally going to be able to find anything you want to find uh, in this podcast. So thanks once again for joining us. And let's take it over to myself and Ken Rodrigo. All right. Welcome. Uh, This is Just Some People. And I'm uh, sitting here. Well, not sitting here. You're sitting there. I'm sitting here. Two completely different places. Um, but I'm talking to a good friend of mine, Ken Rodrigo. I don't want to say too much about who you are, so I'll just say, who are you, Ken? Tell the people. Who am I? Yeah, who are you? <laughs> uh, my relation to you or just uh, who I am? No, as a human. Like, if I didn't okay. exist, who would you uh, be? Well, I'm a middle-aged man, 50 years old. Middle? You make uh, it to 100? County. What was that? Middle? You make it to 100? Yeah, a little past the middle. That's how I feel about 40. I was like, I'm not making it to 80. I can't be middle-aged. No, I'm sorry. Middle. Cut, cut you off. Nah, it's cool. Um, I live in Rockland County. My dog, Jack. Wife, Daisy. Three kids, 27, 15, and 14. Wow. Yeah. They're but, older than I remember. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The kids are... Uh, Sawyer starts high school next year, so both of them will be in high school. Yeah, because I remember when, when we were working together... They were like 11, 12, maybe something yeah. like that. You yeah, know, and rush home. Didn't want to leave them home alone. Now, exactly. Like, Didn't they like almost burn down the house with like something in the toaster oven or something? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the good old days. And now they're like high school kids in a couple high school, months. Yeah. Talking about taking them for driving lessons and stuff like that. So it's crazy. Isn't it nuts? Like, um, second to eldest daughter, she graduates in like two weeks. So we're getting to that point, like, you know, we got little kids, but it's still the part of like, oh, shit, man, like <clears> half <throat> of them are out of the house after that. Yeah. She going yeah. away to school? Well, yeah, she's going to Albany. Yeah, it was it was um, it was between that nice. and some other schools and she chose Albany. But so now um, how we know each other, we've worked together for years at St. Dominic's, which is uh, how do you know, yeah. a nonprofit organization? Right. And um, yeah. we worked there for I, I worked with you for about three years. And then I moved on, and 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 you know we kept touch, which is uh, no, no, no other for no other person I've ever worked with was that the case. Uh, I never made work friends. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. So you're literally like my one person who's a work friend besides my wife to talk. But um, yeah, we got me and my wife. <laughs> me and my wife started as work friends. Um, so yeah, no, I, you're you're, you're literally. But we're different kind of work friends. Well, yeah. Well, we didn't meet. Me and you didn't have the same interactions. <laughs> So I wanted to talk to you, though, because um, 
in our time working together, I, I found you to be one of the more interesting people I've worked with in a good way. You know, sometimes you have other people who are interesting for all other reasons. Uh, so I thought like all the people I want to have on here, and I, and I, and I also know you wouldn't say no. <laughs> so um, I, I, I can say, <laughs> I, I could rely I like on to the- be supportive, of course, yeah. Exactly, I was like, Ken won't say no. <laughs> So excuse me while I take a sip of my uh, my beverage there. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hop right into this. So one thing that was interesting when we started working together is you had came from like a really different world than the world that I was working in at the time. So I was you know working at St. Dominic's. I started like a week before you or something. I remember that maybe a week or two before you. Right. One one of my questions for you is what was your first impression of me as a person? And be blatantly honest, because I'm be honest with you in a minute. So, yeah, well, sure. well, first of all, my, one of my first impressions is how honest you were. So, I think one of the first stories you told was that you were fired from your job, right? And that's yeah. something that people <laughs> typically hide. They don't. They don't. And not only that, like uh, you know, usually people tell like a firing story. It's like, oh man, I got railroaded. You know, all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, I think you were just like straight up, like, hey, this was the deal and and this would happen. Um, so, you know, I found that astonishing. And, and the other <laughs> part was the, uh, like your work experiences, like uh, when you were sharing stories about your time and, you know, in residential programs or whatever, or drop-in centers, uh, man, you met a whole host of characters, you know? Yeah. And, uh had a lot of great stories. So the, the way you were not only like down to earth, but you had like a full understanding and grasp of all the work. And so like, cause we worked with a guy who was like pompous and was holding, you know, we'll all the him. cars to his <laughs> chest and he didn't want to share. And then you were like the exact opposite. You were like an open book. So it was great for me. He he was the gatekeeper, wasn't he? He was like, he you was couldn't. gatekeeper get any information from that guy we'll, we'll we'll mention him a little bit later i was i, was, I you know I, I think about that and i'm like i'm really glad that guy worked there because i think <laughs> it automatically bonded us together because we, we weren't that dude yeah and he provided just so much comic relief like <laughs> the things that would we would come across i remember when like he left certain medical records on like the shared hard drive and yeah <laughs> Like, what is he doing? I'd be sending him to you. I'm like, yo, dude, this is his, like, MRI. <laughs> his, his letters of intent. Yeah. Like, resume, everything was on the shared drive. Oh, my God. It was crazy. I've never seen someone leave so much shit on a shared drive. It was a fucking, it was un unbelievable. So, yeah, so my first, so I, I asked you because I also wanted to tell you, it's funny because one of the things that, one of the first times I met you, I'm, I'm really judgmental. And I always tell people that. And it's not a good, it's not a good thing. I'm not proud of it. But I remember I was like, this dude is so standoffish. He doesn't talk about himself at all. I was like, I don't even know anything about this guy's life. I don't know if he has a kid or a friend and all this shit. And it's funny because we were kind of like opposites in that way. Yeah. Whereas like you said, me, I'm telling you everything. I'm telling you my, you know, I'm telling you my family history. I tell you, I got fired two months ago, which is like probably something you shouldn't be throwing around there. That's <laughs> right. But it was funny. That was my first impression. But as I always say, I'm like real judgmental, but I always keep an open mind. So one of the cool things was that as time went along, you got to you know open up more. And I was like, oh, man, like we hit it off like, like you know, peas and carrots. But it was funny because there was a time where I was like, what is this? And it's funny because I was like, 
he came from FedEx and he's coming to work. <laughs> he's coming to 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 do training with people with intellectual disabilities. Like this is such a, a cataclysmic shift of things you would do in life. Uh, and I found it really interesting. That brings me to something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, so you worked at FedEx for two decades and you ran the gamut of FedEx, right? Like, could you just talk about like, I mean, not that it's super interesting, but just kind of like the whole essential. You don't have to say every role, but right. you weren't the dude just, you know, every day delivering a package. You went through a whole run, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I spent six years on the road, you know, also known as delivering packages, uh, probably should have stuck doing that, but you know, uh, <laughs> thought I was meant for bigger, better things. That's about six years. I took a manager's position in Boston, operations manager uh, in the morning, and it was really, really homesick. And the fastest way back was to take a job with their brand new engineering department that they had, and everyone was like deathly, deathly afraid of taking a job with them because they said, oh, it's new. It's not going to last. And in six months, you're going to be out of a job. So I, I went for it. And I was able to come back to New York. Uh, and it was a fantastic position, really low stress. Um, and the position is still around today. So those guys made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> but in the position, I, I made a lot of contacts, made a lot of um, uh, higher ups, who wanted me to go back into management and they uh, tricked me to going back into management. Gotcha. <laughs> and, and that's where I stayed for like the next 16 years, just bouncing around to different stations around New York city. Before I left, I was in the Bronx. Uh, I wanted to change the shifts a couple of times. It took like a 3 PM shift to watch the kids, um, a noon shift, uh, kind of the same to be home. And then eventually I just finished up working uh, what we call AMs, like six, morning to about three or four in the afternoon and it was uh sometimes it was fun when i was a younger man it was a lot of fun because mm. a lot of young men a lot of drinking and hanging out yeah um but also it consumes a lot of time you know a lot a lot of time and a lot of energy and at the end of the day like it's a lot of time and energy for boxes yeah and this is this is one of the funny things like um I say everything's funny. It's something I noticed. I've been listening to myself. I fucking, you know, when you like you hear yourself back sometimes, like, oh, I say the same fucking phrase a thousand times. It drives me crazy. But one of the interesting, like, some of the stories you had from FedEx, which I always, so I'm literally just, I'm asking you to retell these. And because I love them so much and I think people need to hear them. <laughs> so I want you to, and I'm not going to tell you which story to tell, um, but I, I'd like to hear two stories. I want to hear, like, um, First of all, um, what's like your your like funniest, craziest story of FedEx? And then also like what's the weirdest thing you ever delivered? And the weirdest thing I ever delivered. All right. Uh so you know, it's funny because Daisy, uh Daisy's a writer, my wife. And she uh she 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 wants to collect all the stories and she wants to make it like 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 it's one day. Like all these crazy stories happen in one day. Yeah. Right? One day <laughs> this guy goes out. And he just and he just has all these uh you know wild like the crazy, worst shift ever the worst yeah. shift ever yeah exactly uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank I think the, uh, the the one that's really coming to mind is really a crime uh, a crime <laughs> this is the best so, part because I, like... I had one in my head so I wonder if it's the same but go ahead a crime what crime Jeez, I'm probably gonna get busted so <laughs> I get um we could blank out names so, so, so like I said it was it was, it was a big drinking culture. 
So after work, we would go out to drink. And sometimes we would finish about 4, 4 p.m., 3 p.m. Um, <clears throat> and when, when, when there was... When there was a bar in play, sometimes we finish at 2 p.m. You know, everybody just kind of hurry up. <laughs> Hustle. To the bar. And so, you know, we were on 42nd Street. And back when, before Disney took over, 42nd Street was still very, very seedy. So we're in a dive bar. And, and now it's like 10 o'clock at night. I got to be back at work at 530 in the morning. Sounds like a good plan. Subways, yeah, the subways are probably going to take me over an hour to get there. And I realized that I have a set of keys in my pocket that I never turned in. Okay. Just turned the key in at the end of the night. And so I'm walking back to the station to turn them in, right? Because I don't want to get documented. And I see the truck in the lot. Instead of turning in the keys, I get in the truck. Oh, God. And I, and I drive it home. Yeah. You drove it home. And I drove it home. Yeah. And so I'm driving home and about maybe a mile into it, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, because <laughs> there's this so is, many ways this can go wrong. This, and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't even know the commercial way to get home, what bridges I can't take home. And I'm like, but if I turn back now, they'll see me driving back. And there's no turning back at this yeah. point. So I drive all the way back to East New York, Brooklyn, and the truck is parked in front of my house and even worse i'm like oh this is horrible and, and so i can't sleep so i'm tossing and turning the whole time and about three o'clock in the morning i just hop back in the truck and i start dry- and it's pouring rain and the trucks it, the wipers aren't working and i can't defog it and i can't see and the first stop sign a uh, stoplight i try to go through it just keeps rolling into the intersection oh no but because it's three in the morning yeah. there's no other cars out there so it's no wreck and i'm uh, i'm shaking like a leaf uh needless to say it was probably the worst work day. That Saturday was one of the worst work days just because I was stomach was in a knot. I was living in dread and regret the whole day. Like, what the hell were you thinking? But thankfully, uh, you know, other than the the your uh your podcast guests, no one else ever found <laughs> out about it. It's about six people, bro. It's about six people. <laughs> and uh, I think they don't have any connections to any law enforcement <laughs> officials. <laughs> If anything, they're on the other Statue side. Statue of limitation of, might be up at this point. Yeah, and if anything, they're on the other side of the law, usually. Um, that's usually my group. It's funny because can you guess the one that I would have thought of? That like nah, you told no, me to start no, once, and it killed me, dude. I, I, I laughed so hard. <laughs> uh, we were working one day. You know, we always just shoot the shit. It was, you know, whatever. We had, you know, we had time, and we were just bullshitting. Um, it was the one about the time you – was it you who hit a guy with the FedEx truck? Oh, I did hit a guy. Okay, so if you don't mind, you don't have to tell that story. I don't know why that wasn't my first story, dude. Because, that's the yeah, funniest that's, story I've probably ever heard in my is, life. That is it. Like no joke. Like when you it is that, funny. It's tragic. It's you gotta say. It. You gotta say. It. I, I, I'm literally like I gotta hear. It. I want this captured forever. When 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 I when I told my son this story, and you know there were people laughing, and he and he was saying he was probably like 13 at the time. He was like, I don't know why you guys are finding this story funny, <laughs> and he was really really upset and destroyed by it. Of right? course, so so horrible. yeah, I'm I'm. It's, it's horrible. It's the horrible funny. story. But so it's the I, best. I, I was I was on 92nd Street, 
and waiting to make a left at a, at a traffic light. 92nd Street and 1st Avenue. 1st Avenue is one way and it goes uptown, right? And so I was making a left to go uptown and waited for the traffic light to change. Once it turned green, I started to proceed. Un <laughs> unknown to me was a Chinese delivery uh, guy on a bike flying down the opposite direction on 1st Avenue. Never, ever saw him. Even when I hit him, I had no idea what I hit. So I turned the, the truck right into him. And it's, I mean, he's like, the bike is under the truck. It's like getting churned. Like, and and I, I stopped the truck. I was like, what the hell just happened? And, I, you know, just maybe like seven or eight feet away is this Chinese food delivery guy. His food <laughs> is all over the place. His bike is a mangled mess. And he is, has scratches and scrapes from his forehead to his toe. Oh, and I'm like, holy shit, what did I just do? <laughs> and he's on the floor and he keeps saying, you motherfucker. <laughs> you motherfucker. And I was like, hey, yo, I didn't see you. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what happened. You know, you must have been coming the wrong way, man. And he keeps cursing me. You motherfucker. And I'm starting to get upset. He's like, I'm like, hey, man, you know, that wasn't my fault. You know, that's your fault. You're coming the wrong way. You know, you can't be flying down the wrong way and then going against the traffic light. And then this old lady, she's standing there. She's like, oh, you drive reckless. You don't know what you're doing. You almost killed him. And I said, shut up, old lady. You don't know what you're talking about. This is his fault. Then And he's keep, he keeps cursing me out. He's like, you motherfucker. I was like, fuck you too. This is your fault. I said, I'm calling, I'm calling the cops. I'm calling the cops. And I take my cell phone out, my little flip phone, and I go to dial 911. And that's like, he springs up, he stands up, he starts gathering his what's left of the Chinese food <laughs> thrown in the bag. And he starts moving that mangled bike <laughs> down First Avenue and like hustling too, bleeding. Clothes all ripped up, <laughs> limping off. And I was like, oh, shit. And he must be undocumented. And I, feel, I feel terrible. I feel really, really terrible. The old lady's completely intimidated. She's like scurrying off. I'm like, I'm, I'm like the worst human being in the world, you know? And I called the station and I'm like, I'm going to get fired. Um, and I'm like, hey, you know, I just ran over the Chinese food delivery guy. You know, I don't know what the protocol is. And they're like, finish the route. Like, you want me to finish the route? They're like, are you, are you, are you, do you need like a half an hour break? Take some water? Get yourself together? Finish the route. Oh my God. That is, that's my favorite story. Literally, one of the, like, my neck hurts from laughing. Like, I have to control <laughs> my throat muscles when I, like, I was like, oh, this, I don't even know if this will come out good because it makes me laugh so hard. Uh, it's fine. Uh, what is the protocol okay. on running over a Chinese delivery? Is it like, is it lesser because like, like uh, it's just a delivery guy? <laughs> it's, less. it's not going to make the newspaper. <laughs> no. I was like, oh, yo, I, I called the cops, but he, he ran off. Oh, he ran off? But well, don't call the cops. But then we're all good. I love I loved the fact that you reported that. Like the, the, the absurdity of going, hey, I hit someone with a FedEx truck. And your supervisor was like, well... Are they dead? No. Okay. <laughs> Do you need a break? <laughs> Unbelievable.
So you used to tell me about some weird packages. What is the like the weirdest package that you've ever delivered, or maybe had suspicion even like, oh, uh, what what could this be, or like you want to share? So, uh, so I, so I, I think one, the one, the first one that comes to mind is uh, I was, do, I was working PMs at the time, and I'm doing pickups, and uh, you know, I was just kind of swinging, so it wasn't in a set regular area. I'm in a really, really well-to-do area on the Upper East Side, and I go to one of these townhouses like the Brownstones, and I go into the first level, and it's like, you know, you know that these people got big, big bucks, right? And um, they have these huge boxes and they're not really wrapped up too good. So I grab them and I put them on my hand truck. I take them to the truck. As soon as I put them into the truck, their things are busting open, right? Boxes? And when they bust open, it's porn. It's all porn. porn. It's <laughs> magazines. It's movies. Just massive it, amounts it, of porn? It, it, I guess that at the time, it was like VHS, right? So I was going to say, what year was this? What year was so, this? So, um, it was, this couldn't I, be I, like DVDs now. were out back then, but this was uh, 97. Okay, yeah. So porn was big back then. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was no internet porn, right? All that is like DVDs and Blu-ray, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and so I wasn't sure if that was legal or not, you know. To have porn in a... To deliver I don't know if I can transport porn, you know, yeah. right? and, it, and it seems to be like regular, like, you know, right. Not, you know, like illegal stuff that they're yeah. doing, you know, you know, no bestiality kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> I just still didn't know if it was allowed, you know, to fly it, you know, internationally, nationally, whatever. So and what did you I, think uh, the purpose was of them like having that much porn, like just like no a porn idea. addict? Yeah, like I, I had no idea where it was going. So I, I just told my boss and um, and he was like, all right, you know. You know, when you get to the station, uh, just bring it downstairs and, and uh, I'll take it. Um, He'll take and then what was funny <laughs> is that like I was also the, like I was aspiring to be a manager at the time. So I had to do the Saturday lineup and I went into his office. And so I'm in his office after hours. He's gone and I'm trying to do the Saturday lineup. And I see in his closet the movies. <laughs> yeah, he, so kept he, he kept them. He kept all the movies for himself. It was and like a crooked cop. there and everything. It was just like a crooked cop. Kept man. all the drugs. Kept, kept all the, the money. Stash. Kept the stash. That's some funny and shit. And we, we also had one. When, when I was a manager, uh, one of the couriers was making a delivery, right? And I, I don't know why or how he suspected something was in there. But uh, it was it was going to a hotel. And it was going to a hotel guest. Um, but before he arrives there, he takes the contents out. He takes the contents out and replaces it with dog food. You know, so it has courier? weight to it. The courier, yeah, the courier. So he takes just like a small bag of dog food yeah. that he purchases, like right across. So brazen because the 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 pet store is across the street from the hotel. <laughs> he go goes far. to the pet store, <laughs> puts it in the box, delivers the dog food, takes the contents out. Right, and he's a part timer, so he finishes the route at eleven o'clock and resigns. Oh, what's oh. his ID? It says he knew. Hey, you know, this is this is not for me. Um, this you know, is not I'm, for I'm me. Out. These guys come to the 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 station and straight thugs, right? Like four or five of them, really abrasive. You know, coming in loud. Yeah, yeah, we want them. Yo, bring them out here. You know, and like not no fear of not you know no diplomacy or anything. They just straight. You know, we're going to kill them. Something you, know? you don't learn in the hood, diplomacy. 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how come they're not scared that we're going to call the cops? No fear at all. Um, and, you know, if they find out that there were uh, drugs and money in the package that they were waiting for, and he, he, he took it, it, he pocketed it, and he skipped town. Yeah. Do you think he knew the people or something? Like he knew that that was like a drug area or something? Like he could tell? Yeah. So it was in Harlem, but it was it was a hotel. Like I wouldn't like. How would you know that somebody in the hotel is getting that? Unless maybe someone tipped you off. So some sense of personal information. Like he knew that this guy was dealing or something. So we said maybe like the package inadvertently popped open. He saw that it was cash. And, and said, said I'm, hey, out. I'm going for it. I'm going for it, you know. And you know how he probably made off some like he quit that now. Did that guy ever get caught or anything? No, right? He was gone. No, nah, yeah. he was gone. He knew what he was doing. He's like, I'm out. See you later. Never so, to be heard from. Never to be heard from again. What do you got over there? Blue point. Blue point. That's pretty that one's pretty good. I've been uh I've been doing um okay, so we got 10 minutes. So uh, upgrade. No, thank you. I told you we're the Oakland A's of podcasting. We're just keeping it. Have you seen that Oakland A shit? That is crazy. It's pathetic. It's so sad. Like, how do you, how does the league let that happen? Yeah. Well, I think they're letting it happen so they can move. They're selling it to Las Vegas, right? Aren't they going to Vegas or something like that? Yeah. But still, it's. But, like, I, but now they go to Vegas. Now you got to spend. So, you know, no more excuses. Yeah. And you have, but you still have a, a, a pro game that has less than like a, like a junior college game. But what's so up with was, Oakland? How come they can't support teams? I don't get it. I don't get that either because their fan bases are loyal, like the, the yeah, Raiders. Yeah. The Rabbit. Raiders kind of got sold out from under them. Like I think that was just they didn't want to be in Oakland because the Raiders didn't have a problem supporting the team. There was always people at Raiders games. True, but yeah. the A's is. I, but they I wanted a new stadium, and the, the the city wouldn't give them the bonds. I guess that's what it is. They don't want to support the corporate welfare. So this this is one yeah. of the things I wanted to get into because one of the things that we connected to was on sports. Like we had a lot of things in common. So you're like a lifelong Yankee fan. So what made you a Yankee yeah. fan? How did Ken? How did little Kenny Rodrigo become a Yankee fan? You, so you're like you're like a diehard Yankees fan. You're one of these dudes who watches games like regular season games, like regularly. And I'm always like, I don't know how you do it. So yeah. how did you become a Yankees yeah. fan? Tell me a little bit about your Yankee fandom. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. I catch probably over a hundred games either on TV. I do them on radio. Uh, I try to catch like three or four in person. Um, yeah, so we used to go to more Met games than Yankee games. And my father had like a rivalry with one of the fathers across the street. He was a big Polish guy and he was a Red Sox fan. Uh -huh. So him being a Red Sox fan made my father like, he's not, not really a big sports fan, but because he had this like dad rivalry with this dude, <laughs> um, he was a Yankee fan because, you know, they played each other. And yeah. before, like, interleague play and shit. So uh, it, my, when the Yankees used to beat the Red Sox, my father used to open up the window and just used to yell out, Yankees! <laughs> Yankees! And, and, you know, they were both big drinkers. So, yeah. you know, all that stuff starts out as friendly banter. Old and school. Then it starts, then it turns into, fuck you, motherfucker! <laughs> you know, <laughs> I close the window before they get into a fight. Um, so, so you know, that rivalry is what really, you know, uh, really sparked my interest. Because then, because because like in '86, my my father was big into the Mets because the Mets had their playoff run. But because I was already, you know, vested in the Yankees, I was like, nah, you know, I can't do that. You know, so you stuck with them. I just stayed a Yankee. 
So, okay. So, who's your favorite? Okay. I, I won't say Yankee because it's probably a Yankee. Who's your favorite baseball player of all time? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, my favorite players, I never really liked the best players. Yeah. Um, I'm like, similar. So when, when I was growing up, my, my favorite player was Roberto Kelly. And the Yankees I remember him getting rid of him. Can I guess his number? Yeah. And if I'm right, is was it number 12? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I, really I used don't. to have his baseball yeah. card. That's all I remember. Late 80s, right? Like kind of late 80s. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, late 80s. Yep. Um, and then uh and then it became Bernie Williams, you know. Country singing Bernie Williams. Country singing Bernie the Williams. Puerto Rican yeah. guitar player. Yeah, I think I like singing. him that more now than I did back then. But yeah, he's he just seems like a good person. And whenever yeah. you uh you know label uh Natalie like that, you usually let down. They usually let 100%. you down, you know, they wind up, you know. Robbing someone, you know, sexual assault or wife abuse, something, yeah, political it, affiliations or something like that. Yeah, like look yeah. at a guy like Brett Favre. Like I never liked Brett oh. Favre, but I love how Brett Favre oh, kind of his whole life has played out. Is like I've hated him since I was like twelve, and it's all and it's like oh yeah no 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 I knew <laughs> there was something about him I didn't like and like oh yeah no he's he's like ripping off welfare and uh, you know just a complete scumbag. I, I always like to a uh, Mariano Rivera, right? Because he just seemed like a nice guy, God fearing, loving guy. All you know, he had this tragedy back home where his nephews um, drowned in his pool back home. Did he really? And it was so tragic. And yeah, it was his home, and and you know he was with the Yankees, and his sister or whatever was using the house, and his nephew, I, I believe it was two of them. Maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but they drowned uh, in the pool. And I just remember when he spoke to the press, he was wearing it. You know, he was he was like a beaten man. You know, and I was just like, you know, that's that's like a decent human being. And, and maybe he is a decent human being. I'm not yeah. saying he's not. But then I see him playing catch with you know with, with number forty five. You know, president. Uh, I ran into him in in the mall. Uh, you know, you find out that his wife is peddling some pseudoscience. Oh, stuff. really? He's and, like a yeah, real wacky. Yeah, just say, like, and I make excuses for him. Like, I oh, maybe he's just an innocent guy, he's yeah. just getting wrapped up and that kind of stuff. But you know, it's like a lot of things going on with him. So, like I said, he was never really my favorite, but they let you down. Yeah. Athletes will let you down, you know. They definitely will. It's it's one of those things, especially when you have kids. Like I have all daughters, so they never really got into like an athlete like that. They're not like big sports kids. Um, but so like I really, you know, I love the Niners. And like Brock Purdy came on last year and was like lights out. But then like the more I learned about Brock Purdy, I'm like, oh, he's some like fundamentalist, far right conservative <laughs> Christian nut job. Really? Yeah. yeah. And not like a hor- not like an anti vac like not like a horrible pushes religion way. But in the way of like, you know, he hates gay people <laughs> and, and 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 minorities. Like you could just tell, because he'd be the type of being like, ah, you know, I'm just put on here to, I'm just throwing the ball and, and, and throwing with the power of Jesus. And you're like, yeah, you're a little, you're a little bit too much for me. Like I know where this leads, but I'm just gonna ignore it until like you know, two years from now, he's totally gonna be saying like, you know, I don't want gay people on my team or something. But I'm just gonna ride this Brock Purdy wave for as far as I can. So now that you told me uh, who who your favorite player was, uh, it's so much more fun to hate people. I feel in sports, who's your least favorite baseball player of all time? Uh, least favorite, uh, like I hated Jason Vertex. 
Hey, Jason yes, Verrett. Wasn't he the catcher for the Red Sox? He's a catcher for the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. And Why? he kicked uh, Alex Rodriguez's ass. Um, you know, not that not that I I, I didn't like Alex Rodriguez, yeah. but I, I, I was just – I felt embarrassed <laughs> the way he beat the shit out of him. Well, because um, A-Rod was huge compared was to him, just, right? He was, such, he was such an average player. Huh? He was, A-Rod was much bigger than him, right? What was that? A-Rod was a bigger guy than Jason Yeah, Bear. yeah. Jason bigger, was shorter. Yeah. And he fucked up A Rod. Yeah, he, Jason Verts has like a wider body, but yeah. a lot shorter. Catcher, know? yeah, of course. It's and fuck- he, you know, he just he bitched him out. Um, yeah, and and he was so marginal, but he hit so many great big hits against the Yankees, and he was so fiery. I just wanted to punch him in the face every time I saw it. <laughs> it is funny too because there sometimes are scrub players who like perform well against your team. Uh, like my guy was always Russell Wilson, but yeah. Russell Wilson wasn't a scrub. <clears throat> but Russell Wilson also had plenty of games where he threw like 132 yards, <clears throat> one touchdown and one interception. Like he had games where he was he wasn't Peyton Manning, he yeah. wasn't Tom Brady. But that's funny, Jason Veritek. You know, I had a I had an autographed Jason Veritek baseball card. He used to be a catcher for I think it was the Padres before he was a catcher for the Red Sox. So that's what I remember about Jason Veritek. Really. Yeah, that's all I remember about him. And then uh, clearly that he's your least favorite player now. But you know, it's similar be- be- because um, uh, what's, what's the quarterback you just mentioned? What was his name? Uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, he, Russell Wilson is an overachiever, and and yeah. so he's not a scrub, but he's an overachiever, just like Veritek. He's overachiever, and you just want him to be a scrub. You know? Yeah. Like he should be worse than he should be considered, but it's funny because his career is kind of catching up to him a little bit. The last couple yeah. of years have kind of been like a little bit of a shining light moment, where it's like, oh, maybe, yeah, like he's a Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong; I think he's a Hall of Famer. Is he? It's a weird one because he like he's he's part of a Super Bowl team, but he had almost like nothing to do with that Super Bowl. That was that one where the Broncos got destroyed by like forty points. But he has enough moments that are memorable, and I think that's kind of what makes a Hall of Famer. Like you have that like big play, and he has a lot of those. But he maybe was, if they beat the Patriots, yeah, if he beat the Patriots, I think it's a oh you know closed door. <clears throat> but like yeah, it's funny because if his neck, if his if this next season coming up is another bad one, he kind of leaves the league on like a really low note, which kind of affects the way people view him. Whereas like say he retired three or four years ago people still remember this really good guy. And now people look at him like, oh, maybe he wasn't that great all along. And maybe it was like Pete Carroll yeah. and because Geno Smith's playing good. And, but yeah, no, Russell's my guy. So you're also a, you're, you're a Jets fan and you're a Knicks fan. Next. Okay. Had a good so, season. what do you say? They had a good season. They did. And it's funny because the good thing you're a Yankees fan, because you'd have no joy in life. Sports. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you had to say, which team would win a championship first, the Jets or the Knicks? Who would it be and why? So I, I would have to say that the Jets right now only what? because at least the uh, Knicks are competitive. Jets, yeah, yeah, no, but they're they they're, they're going to be competitive, but they're going to be one of those teams that are in the playoffs, not one of those teams that are the one, two, or three seed. They'll be the four, five, six seed unless something changes. Um, but right now they're still going under some uh, front office changes, so there's going to be a new GM. There, those people, they whiff on every single executive, right? 
Donnie Walsh, Isaiah Thomas, Pat Riley. Name right? the person. Wasn't Pat Riley. Uh, what was it? Phil they Jackson. had Pat Riley. They had Pat Riley as the coach. He yeah. wanted to be the president. They said, "Get out of here!" And look what he's done Went in Miami. The heat. Yeah. Look what that man's done in Miami. They're, they're, Phil they're Jackson, in it right? Every single year. Wasn't Phil Jackson was that? the GM or something? Yeah, they had Phil Jackson. Yeah. Phil Jackson sucks. He's <laughs> he not an executive. He was, he was horrible. horrible. He was. I, awful. I didn't even like him as a coach. Yeah, you, you know, you could be a great coach if you have the best player in the league, which he yeah. had. I could coach Michael Jordan. Hey, Michael Jordan, yeah. go be Michael Jordan. <laughs> Oh, who's next? Oh, uh, Kobe and Shaq. Kobe and oh, Shaq. you're a genius. Yeah, exactly. oh, you're a genius. Here's the guys. Read this book about uh, meditation. And yeah, go ahead, go play basketball. Like it, oh, he, it's all I, about the triangle. Completely. Let me open. tell you something right now. Nobody runs the triangle. Nobody runs the triangle. And this is a copycat league. If the triangle was anything, people would be running the triangle. Yeah. He's he's full of shit. Well, the triangle works when like two thirds of the triangle are like you know top. Six all-time basketball yeah. players, you know. yeah, all-time greats. Yeah, when you yeah. when you got and then you like you had Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan on one end, and then you had Shaq and Kobe. So yeah, so you think that you think the Jets have a better chance? I think the Jets because right now it looks like Joe Douglas knows what he's doing. He does. Um, look pretty I, good. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sold on Salah, but it looks like you know his players love him. You know, so if he could surround himself with the tacticians that he needs, then he could you know get the game plan. Um, they built an incredible defense, and now they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, and you know it's unfortunate that the league has so many great young teams. And it's not like, oh, who's going to come out? Because I don't think they're the best team, but I think they have the best chance. Because in football, sometimes, you know, a couple of stops here and there, a play here and there to extend the drive. And, you know, you can make things happen. You can really make things happen. And the NBA, you need that uh, closer. You need that, that all-star, all-world killer on your team. The Knicks don't have them, and I don't see how they can get one uh, unless they, you know, they hit on one of these draft picks like the San Antonio Spurs do. But th th that's not what the Knicks are known for. They miss on draft picks. They don't hit on draft picks, you know. So I, I, I'm like a jaded fan. Uh, yeah. I don't have a lot of hope, you know, and trust that that's going to happen. Yeah, I, it's hard not to be um, a jaded fan. I feel like a Knicks or a Jets fan. It's, there's so many times where, even with the Jets now, I'm like you know, if this Aaron Rodgers thing doesn't work out, it's like oh yeah, it's 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 like a train wreck situation. Like say they go, oh they're gonna get set back for years. They go eight and nine. So say they go eight and nine or nine and eight even. Like even like what? That's a disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah, like there there has to be a, a high level of success. You don't need to win a Super Bowl. I don't think. But you need to have some success and then the concept that Aaron Rodgers will be back for another year. So say you go to the AFC Championship. If you go to the AFC Championship and then he just retires, you're sitting there, you know, holding what? Nothing. You, you, now you had, okay, you went to AFC right. Championship and now we don't have a quarterback. And now what the hell do we do? So I guess you could feel good because, you know, the team's still pretty good, but you take the quarterback of the equation, then what do you got? So yeah, I got I got a couple more things for you. So I want I want to get into some pol uh, political stuff because that's another thing we always yeah. used to um, talk about. So okay, so Trump, you know, you see what's going on right now, with Trump. This this whole uh, was it the DOJ? Yeah, he might get indicted by tomorrow. 
it looks like it's gonna happen, bro. And then yeah. it's something we've both have probably thought needed to happen for years. We've seen this guy commit crime after crime after crime after crime after crime in broad daylight. In broad daylight. Yeah. Talk about literally asking for votes from from the uh from that guy in Georgia. That's like how's that not a crime? Perfect call. How's that not a crime? I need one more vote than that it would take to win. Any any yeah, I need you to find two thousand whatever it was. Yeah, one hundred and thirty six. And he's he done by see anything wrong with it. How's it not a crime? How is that not a crime? I just don't understand how there's a discussion, how there's a debate, how there's uh, some type of uh, maybe. No, he he literally told the, people to the give Zelensky him call. He was like, "Oh yeah, you know, you want this? You want? I need you to find some stuff for me." What is, what is it? Is he a mob boss? Yes, like, that's the it. answer. He's one hundred percent a mob boss, and he acts like one, and that's how he's been doing business. So. It seems like this. It seems like they kind of got him on this. And then, did you see the thing where he came out and he said um, he he was talking about it to people? He was talking about the document. And he was like, "Yeah, I wish I could show you." Waving the document around. <laughs> I wish I could oh, show you the secret document. It's like it, it, you know what's crazy is that anybody that knows him knows that he totally did that. He oh totally, yeah, hundred totally percent. A hundred percent because he's a he's a clown. He's white trash dressed up like white trash is stupid. And they would say something like, hey, man, I wish I could show you this classified document. If you knew. If you knew. It's only about how Iran is going to, how we plan to go to war with Iran. I, I tell you, about, but I can't show you. And he's on tape saying this. Yeah. So what's going to happen to him? Well, you know, well, first of all, not enough is the answer. Yes. But what I really want to know, I want to know where the tapes are when he's talking about the UFOs. Because, you know, he was bragging about that shit, too. Oh, good. Yeah, was, let me tell you about this. If you guys only knew, look at this one. This one here. <laughs> you ever see Men in Black? It's two times worse. You know, you know, he's out there telling people everything, everything, everything. And this is the thing, right? So we're at this point where, he's, uh, he's but, but, I, but I think he's going down. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't think he's ever going to prison. But no. yeah, he's gonna. I don't think prison either. Super max. But but what I wonder is like, then what's the punishment? Yeah, what's the punishment? Does it keep him from running from pre for president? Because to me, that's that should be the goal. If you're not going to put him in jail, because I think putting him in jail is symbolic and. It means I don't give a shit if he goes to jail. Honestly, I, I don't because uh, I, I think we just need to hold people accountable. I think that's the whole lesson here. It's not going to jail. It's the accountability of it. They're like, no, 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 you can't get away with all these things. That's all. That like there is, yeah, there are he, um, systems, you know? Uh, I, I think eventually he gets like uh, his sentence commuted by Biden or something like that. <laughs> But I think he gets found guilty of whatever it is, espionage, tre treason, obstruction of justice, all of it. But then he never faces a day in jail. And what would the response be, right? Say that is what Biden does, right? He gets convicted and then Biden goes, you know what? We're not going to put a president in jail. Yada, 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 so on and so forth. Like, what would the response of the right wing people be? Like, it would be interesting because they couldn't possibly... We live in a world now where you can't possibly give anything. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't possibly say your political yeah. opponent does anything good or anything that, you know, isn't almost evil even. It's not even just good. It's like everything your political opponent has to do is evil almost. 
Like, what would the response be if, if, if like, he literally pardons Trump from jail time? They're like, he's doing it. I, I think the precedence has been like one of two things they do, right? They either ignore it and move on, like it didn't happen, like it's no big deal. Like, you know, like who's who's the guy in the Christian University, Jeremy Fowler, or whatever? He's over yeah, here banging the, people, watching the white boy or bang whatever. people. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then it's just like, who? Eh, Why you bring that up? Yeah. Yesterday's news. So maybe they move on from like that. Who? Eh. Or, or or maybe they just keep doubling down because that's the other thing they do. And and they're like, hey, it's witch hunt. Well, what do you expect? They're crooked. They're gonna make things up and they're gonna frame you. And you know the DOJ can't be trusted. And it's the swamp. And we gotta drain it and defund them. And they'll just keep on, you know, banging that drum. You know, so it it it's hard to tell. But but you they have no shame. You know they don't have any shame, um, and it's just like you just said. They're not gonna admit that they were wrong, and like, oh man, we had this all wrong. Uh, America, let's do America first, and let's get behind this because this guy is obviously treasonous, and he doesn't care about uh, America, the United States. Uh, they're never, ever, ever gonna do that. Um, uh, and I don't know if, if because he has blackmail tapes on them, or it's because they're fearful of. You know, saying they were wrong, you know, because they're all egotistical, you know, maniacs. Don't you think it's like such a I think this whole Trump thing has been such a such a like like a a spotlight on the thirst for power that consumes a politician. Where. And I'm not saying Democrats are any better. They're they're they're, they're no. just as thirsty for power. But here's the thing: they they just don't have to put themselves in the same compromising situations because they didn't back a sociopath to be the president. So the Republicans backed a sociopath to be the president. He became the president. They they thought they could tame the lion. They can't tame the lion. And the levels that they go to now, like it's all about a, their chances to get elected. Nothing else. Like the only reason people stand behind Trump at this point is because they know that there's the base of people who are Trump supporters, and that's the majority of the Republican vote. And that's just what it is. Yep. And they, they know if they votes. turn their back on that, that's why Ron DeSantis can't even say his name. Yeah. He can't even say Trump's name because he's so Before scared of that voting base. And it's like, there is no, and we always knew politicians didn't have integrity. We always knew that. Like, that's nothing new. Right. But the level that they'll go to, because they know they need that vote. And that's all it comes down to, is that they'll say January 6th was a, was a dust-up. They'll say right. that, um, you know, everything is fake. Nothing's real. They'll, they'll gaslight everybody. All because they know they need that vote. And if they ever, like you see Chris Christie's kind of doing the opposite thing now. I yeah, he came like, out swinging. And he should because <clears throat> what, what's the point? If if you kiss up to Trump who's running, you're not going to beat him. So what what's the point of that? Like you, you, your, your goal is to appease Trump while running against him? Like this is fucking nonsense. But this is the part where they're at. They're so yeah, afraid. So I actually... I- I don't know if Chris Christie thinks he can win. I think he's a sacrificial lamb. I think they're going to throw him to the wolves to take Trump head on. And he, he called him a baby. He he took on uh, Jared and Ivanka. And he's not going to be afraid to call any of them out. And, you know, 
And I think I think he's just going to be sacrificial, try to take Trump down a few pegs so that somebody like DeSantis can gain can, like, ground, maneuver. Can gain traction. I think you have a yeah. point there. Almost be like kind of like a covert um like working for like like he can't say the things that DeSantis like right. DeSantis would like to say to tarnish him. So you have Chris Christie say it. Chris Christie, he's got the he's got the wit to come back on some of these things, you know. Well, that's what it is. He, he, You're not gonna beat this he, guy. He, he could go toe to toe with him. Well, that's what it is. Like his people respond to that. They respond to denigrating people. They respond to personal attacks. They respond to racism, homophobia. Like they respond to all that stuff. So sitting there and trying to like out politician somebody is pointless. And I think that's kind of like the move where Chris Christie's doing. He's like, okay, well, uh, let's just go at it. And that's, oh, you got a better chance. Get dirty. Doing, yeah. And, and look what all those other guys did who were running against him in 2016. All got clowned. Stupid fucking nicknames. Made them look like fools. And and they never, those people are like in a, into obscurity forever. Because they're like little yeah. Marco, Ted Cruz, who he made fun of his wife. Jeff Lion Bush. Ted. So like, but like, one thing you can't hate about Trump is like, hey, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to get people behind him. So like, fucking, he destroyed those guys, and those guys bend over backwards to kiss his ass. To this day, he called Ted Cruz's wife ugly. That's some shit. He said Ted Cruz's father killed Chair for <laughs> which is I mean, great. The, and, and 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 Ted Cruz gets out there, defends him, defends yeah. him. Imagine that, like. Where are your balls, Ted? That's what, what happens. Talking. It's all about the power. It's just about power. Like he has to. How Ted Cruz stays in power is doing that, and it's like, how do you go to bed at night? Unbelievable. But oh. we could tell. How, how does your wife look at you? As, she doesn't have any kind of res- your kids. How do they have any kind of respect for you? They don't. They can't. It's like it's like how could they? Do they just do it because you know? It's just what their life is at that point. So I wanted to, um, so you, this is another thing, and this is kind of switching gears, but I want yeah. to touch on this because we're kind of talking about it a little bit earlier. But like you taught at a Catholic school. What was when you taught in Garrison? What was that actually? So uh, when I was at Garrison, I was volunteering. It was uh, a children and family youth centers, drop-in center. We used to do retreats. Uh, mostly retreats and stuff like that um, for kids in the Hudson Valley. But I did teach in the Bronx in a private school that was uh, K through middle school. And it was it was a religious school, right? Yep, yep. It was uh, yeah, run by the Sisters of the Sacred Heart or something to that effect. And you grew up pretty, I don't want to say strong, but you grew up pretty heavy in the Catholic faith, right? Yeah, I was, uh, and uh, yeah, we were Catholic. I, um, you know, I found the community in the in the Catholic Church sometimes in my teen years, uh, and I I really that was something that was a journey I went on my own. It's like most of the time, it's your family that takes you, and you just kind of follow in their footsteps. My parents weren't very religious. My mom would go sporadically, Um, but you know, like like I mentioned before. I was pretty much a shut-in, and so I was looking for a group, and, you know, I found that group in uh, in a church in East New York, St. Michael's, and, um, you know, they let me do just, so I became an altar boy, I became involved in the youth group, I spent my weekends, 
with priests and brothers and hung out with them uh, as much as I could. It's 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 so interesting to me, right? Because it's funny. I always tell my wife that you guys have such a similar story. And I think that's why me and you got along so well. There's so many things I learned about you along the way. And it's not because you just grew up in Brooklyn and you're Puerto Rican, but every Puerto Rican from Brooklyn is the same, essentially, right? They're all the same. There's there's no difference between any of them, right? Um, <laughs> but, exactly. but, but no, you guys had such a similar, and like same background. Like she was Catholic, but like her family wasn't Catholic. She kind of found her own way into it. Um, and then as she got older, she kind of grew out of it a little bit, which I, I mean... I don't know, just from talking to you, I I, I, I kind of felt like you weren't as close to that as you were when you were younger. Am I wrong on that one? Oh, no, yeah. So, uh, I mean, so you're talking like right now? Yeah, yeah, like as you grew, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there's been a huge drift for me. Um, and, and a lot of it, I mean, I'm not going to lie, a lot of it uh, comes from the abuse scandals. Same thing uh, with her. You know, I know yeah. there's going to be abuse. But it's it's to cover. I love up. how you me, said it like to cover up. You said it like <laughs> like when you go to bar, like yeah, there's gonna be beer around. Like I know there's gonna be abuse, but I mean, come on, this is a little bit much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's yeah, serious. Like because I don't think it's it's a natural way of life. Um, you it is taking oaths of uh, chastity and stuff, and you're going to you know you you're gonna attract. Uh, a deviant population. So I'm not saying that I've, I've met some amazing, amazing men, um, and and I, and I hate that they get caught up in this kind of stuff. But um, you know, some of those same amazing men allow this shit to go on under the nose, and and what they what they prefer to do was get rid of the person rather than hold them accountable. And when you don't hold people accountable, they just keep on doing it. Maybe they don't do it in your face, but they're doing it somewhere else. And yeah. There was there's too much of that, too much of that, and I I can't take the hypocrisy, you know. I can't take one of the things that um early on too when I was already in in college, I was still spending a great deal of time with with the Capuchins. I was spending weekends with them, staying in their homes. That's right. And stuff. You were almost. That's how yeah. I forget about that. Like you were going down that path. I was gonna do how it. I and, forget um, about and, that. And, and, Fucking old. I would meet like new ones, and when I would find out their political affiliation, like these were men that dedicated their lives not only to Jesus but to to Saint Francis, who gave up all his worldly possessions, right, yeah. so that he could live amongst the poor. And here they are, Republican, and I'm like, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> How is that? That don't make sense to me, you know. Um, and then you know they would try to explain their their political positions. How did they explain me, it? it didn't make how did they explain it? How did they explain like they're for like big business tax cuts for the rich, yeah, uh, not helping uh, out poor people? Like, how are any of these things? And this is kind of where my question was going. Like, how do you feel this about the state of Christianity today? Like, Christianity is a thing that you can feel in your heart and it's personal, but when you think about the the global concept, or at least the in the United States, when someone says they're a Christian or they're fighting for Christian values, how do you feel yeah, about so, that today? I, I would love, love, love if we live Christian values. Um I, I, I think I think the concept of of living a Christian life, Christian values, uh is amazing. But I, I, I think it's it's a farce. It's it's code and coverage for um uh for being pro-life, anti-abortion. 
for being anti-abortion, really. Uh, and, you know, everybody hides under that guise over Christian values because Christian values are the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor, you know, blessed are the meek, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesus is uh, in the Beatitudes. I mean, that should be it. Now, they want to talk about the Ten Commandments, right? That's the Old Testament. Yes, Let's that's talk about not supposed Jesus. to be followed. Yeah, where, where where was what was Jesus doing? He was hanging out with the the the, 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 the criminals, yeah. the thieves, the prostitutes, the, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the people that were marginalized. He he wouldn't be cutting Medicaid and Medicare, you know. He wouldn't. Um, <laughs> Fuck you and your yeah. insulin prices. And, and then, so now they have these not only Catholic, so more more like Christian uh, pastors. So much wealth but even the catholic church the opulence the amount of property they own uh you know even even all the ceremony and the gowns to me it's too much they've moved too far away from the message too too far away from the message everything is wrapped up in personalities like the pope and the bishops and rome and you know, I, I, it sounds silly and ridiculous, but I think it needs to be more of a grassroots yeah. community, organic organization, working with the people. How do we do better? How do we get this going? How do we fix these problems? And um, you know, I, I don't think they should be tax exempt. You know, because they're too involved in politics, and that's okay by me. Let's get them. Let's get rid of that tax exemption, and let's just like kind of normalize this because this is it's it's gone too far, and we're way 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 past um you know the the teachings of Jesus. Have you ever heard? And I, um, I wish I had like the article with me right now, but I, I saw an article a couple months back, and it was talking about how. Christianity has severely dipped in European countries, right? European countries has fallen further and further from Christianity, like the population. And, and clearly that has happened in the United States. That is happening. That has happened. Um, it is continuing to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the natural progression of things, that this country is going to become more secular like those countries became. Like I, in the article, it said like so many of the churches in, in Europe, in, especially Eastern Europe, had had to be sold because the churches couldn't even stay in, you know, afloat. Yep. And they got turned into other things like nightclubs and, and, and other shit like that, uh, essentially because people stopped following the church. And like you said, there's, there's there's so the church has such a negative and it's not just the catholic church so i grew up as a jehovah's witness and i remember when you're jehovah's witness is very much like this elitist status like we know the real truth and then when catholic church was getting exposed for pedophilia and all that stuff in the 90s it was like yeah motherfucker <laughs> like at least we're not raping kids over here <laughs> and then i like sun came out in 2016 that they had like a database and like no bullshit, like an, an Excel spreadsheet of every congregation in the United States and all of the sexual accused sexual predators in those congregations. And they didn't turn them over to the authorities. They were just like people who were accused or people we should, who, or who have been talked about sexually abusing people. And their whole rule is that you, there has to be two witnesses to any foul play. 
So, you know, when you rape somebody, you don't do it around other people. So there's not two witnesses. So you'd go to like the elders there and you go, hey, this this guy is sexually abusing me. And they go, well, was somebody else there? And then they ask the other guy. Where's the proof? Yeah, exactly. Where's the proof? And they ask the other guy and he goes, no, I wasn't. They go, oh, well, not two witnesses. So like, it's not just the Catholic church. It's, it's so, it's so crazy. It's so many of, um, so many of these religions, sexual abuse is so rampant in them. And it's weird because Job's witnesses don't even have the excuse and it's not an excuse, but like, it's kind of what you mentioned before, how there's like a deviant lifestyle, right? So it's like, you can't marry, you can't have sex. And, but with Job's witnesses, that's not the case. Like you can, the, the elders, they get married. They have families, they have wives. So there's something about the power dynamic and just taking advantage of it and, you know, saying, no, we have the answer. Like, you don't have to tell the authorities. We go through God. We have this contact with God. It's like such a powerful thing to hold over people. And so many religions have been doing it. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think it's a big part of why people are turning away from religion because it's got a bad track record. (laughs) The Boy Scouts too, right? The Boy Scouts, they yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. Where they were hiding uh predators. And again, just like you said, it's not it's not that deviant life where you're suppressing their sexuality. These are people that went there specifically so they could have access, you know, to boys. And I, I was, you know, you know, I was in the Boy Scouts. I was that was another organization I was involved with. Uh and we had a uh one of the scout masters who was a pedophile. Um, I always suspected he was, and there was there was a lot of things that he did. And it was one time we were in a in a camp, sleepaway camp, and he he tried to sodomize a boy. It was a horrible, horrible experience. It was so ugly and bad. And I was I don't know like thirteen, fourteen at the time. Never ever went back after that. And so when I was like, I guess I was married, so I was like. In 30, 32, I was like, hey, you know what? Let me Google this dude. And I Googled him in prison for raping a boy. Yeah. You know? And 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 so I, I was just filled with like a lot of like disgust about these institutions that allow this to happen. And and the and the church, the Catholic Church, I'm sad to say, is is one of those groups. And yeah. you know, whenever I'm like, oh, I'll come back and I sing the songs and I the community and then it's i read another story i'm like fuck this, We're <laughs> this. well and and it's always these trusted organizations right it's these these things that we hold up boy scouts religion you know um politicians even it happens all the time with politicians it's always these trusted organizations coaches it's it's yeah like it's always it's always one of those things where i remember we used to do this training on um what the fuck was it called who knows uh abuse prevention or something and when I would yep. do the training, I would always say, like, you know, it's it's not it's not the it's not the um guy who owns the strip club who's doing this. Right. Like when you see in the newspaper, it's not like ah, pornographer sexually molesting children. No, it's like oh. fucking school teacher, it's pastor, pop, yeah, pastor. Uh it's the guys who you wouldn't call the bad guy. And uh yeah, it's just same thing with these drag uh shows, right? Oh, oh. drag oh yeah. Oh, they're, they're trying to indoctrinate them. Grooming. Well, yeah. it's so funny and when you know what grooming actually is. The baseball is. coach, bro. Yeah, like like we spent years doing courses on grooming. 
and you know reading about what grooming behavior is and when you see it just become like a political term it's just a political term now so you're a groomer disney groomers democrats groomers why are the groomers there's a gay person on the tv show groomer it's like that's not what it is or how it works and you're doing a disservice to yourself to your children to your family because you're thinking that disney's going to turn you gay or molest you when really it's the person who's you know taking your kid to the basketball game spending time alone with them in the hotel and it's not about showing them disney fucking movies yeah so we'll move to a more lighter topic (laughs) (laughs) you go out to a bar first of all you get to choose to go with three people in history dead or alive doesn't matter and uh, you also get to choose the place you go so whatever place you would want to take these three people who are those three people where you go all right so the three people uh it's gonna take me a minute but i but i sorry so if, if i'm choosing the bar uh, I used to go to this. I, I used to I mean, act like I'm a regular, uh, but I've been to a bar a few times in uh, in Williamsburg called the Turkey's Nest, and it's just like an old school dive bar. It used to be kind of just like an Irish bar, but like a lot of the younger people have taken it over. But they have not changed any of the decor there <laughs> since like 1984. Those are the best and places. So, it is what it is Always. because it never got trendy. It never got, you know, inundated with the fancy drinks and the infusions and the hybrids. And, <laughs> you know, they got a lot of Miller and a lot of PBR and good place. stuff like that. And if you just want the whole place to yourself, you, you, you got it. And there's a place like that here in Rockland. It's called Olives. And only like locals kind of go there. And it, it has a smell to it. <laughs> I, 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 I like the smell because it keeps it keeps the rich people away. <laughs> keeps the riffraff out of there. It's yeah. like when you sit in so, the third row. It's like if you sit in the upper decks at a sports game. It's like, yeah, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna deal with the hoity toities. That's right. So who's your three people? So I, I so my three people. So I I, I became uh, pretty fond of uh, the economist Paul Krugman. Really? Uh, because I, yeah, because he speaks the way he speaks and the way he writes, uh, I understand. You know, I don't understand econ- economics only when he he's uh, explaining it. And I went to see him speak um, uh, once before in live in person, and uh, you know he's a little nerdy and stuff, but uh, he's bright. Uh, articulate and and he could speak to regular folk, you know, like me. And yeah. so uh, uh, I would like to hear him speak more and more about some of those, some of the things, the economy and and the future, and some of the do. He's he's wrong as many times as he's right. Yeah, but like but I just people. I just still have an appreciation for him. That's an interesting pick. Now, who's your other two? That's the interesting pick. Yeah, I didn't um, think you'd take Paul Krugman. Uh, did not think that. <laughs> Paul Krugman. <laughs> did not think uh, that. I, I, I would pick Barack Obama. Um, really? I'm, I'm fan Barack boy. Obama? You can sit with a politician yeah. and a fucking economist? Right? Keep going. I'm not going to judge you. I'm totally judging you right now. But go ahead. I, I, well, the, the third one's going to be an athlete. But, yes, yeah, so <laughs> okay, Barack good. Obama. 
because he was the, uh, the the first black president, and and I just want my son said something so interesting today, right? Because uh, he he plays both sides of the fence, and he 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 is not conservative, but he's always kicking conservative viewpoints uh, at me. He's fifteen. He's just trying to. I remember you used to tell me that that he's like um, devil's advocate in a way, kind of. Oh yeah, he still time. does that big time, which is good. And, and he's like, and he's like, hey dad, listen, uh, Trump was a billionaire. So what was his motive to becoming a president other than trying to help America? <laughs> oh, God. And, and, and I said, he did it because I said, he did it because he's an egomaniac Ego, because yeah. he wanted yeah. to, he wanted to have the biggest office in, in, you know, in the world. He's a narcissist. The biggest title. Narcissist. And he says, oh, oh, oh so let me get this straight. So you do you you think Obama was doing it because he he wanted to help America, or he a was a narcissist and he wanted to be the first black man to be president? You got to be power hungry to want to be president. That's you true. don't think Barack Obama's power hungry that he's not a narcissist? And I was like, you make a good point, buddy. Yeah, I think anybody wants point. to be president has to be pretty you have power to be. hungry. That doesn't mean you're you a narcissist, to be. though. There's a difference. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but they, but but it means a couple of things that you are power hungry, mm-hmm. uh, and there's bodies somewhere. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> there's there's nobody. Skeletons. There's not a good man who's become president. I don't think. Yes, yeah, so somebody is backing you, financing you, and you they take, got the goods on you. Also, I, I forgot who said it, but they were like, um, I think it was George Carlin. I think he said something like, "If you become president, you've been bought and sold so many times, yeah. like ten years before that moment." And yeah. it's a good point. Anytime who's actually somebody who's kind of like actually representing the people's interests, they always get cut off at the knees. Bernie Sanders, right? Like Howard Dean. Yeah. Like you see the machine starts so quickly to undercut those people because you're not supposed to be there. And like, yeah, they'll let you hang around. Like I remember when Bernie was really picking up steam, uh, like Elizabeth Warren didn't drop out of the race. And like she should have dropped out of the race. It made no sense. But she was keeping votes from, like, if she dropped out, her votes would went to Bernie Sanders. There's so many things. Like, Joe Biden was, like, dead in the water, and all of a sudden he was leading it. It's like, right. Yeah, you you become president when you're supposed to be. <laughs> all right, so you gave me two. And now you also said you want to change your answers. So, you so I'm not going to let you go into depth, but who would they change well, it real quick? So, so I'd probably change it to uh, St. Francis, right? St. Francis, CC. Uh, just because would he drink with you though? Is he a drink I think he would drink. Yeah, uh, right, right. Because the friars and the Franciscans they would they would make beer and drink. So, oh, would they? I'm thinking maybe he would have yeah. a few. But he came. He <clears throat> he was a big drinker, partier, and wealthy, and he gave up all those things because he wanted to live a life of meaning. So I would like to choose him, replace him maybe with Obama. But my third one. If, if, if it wasn't going to be someone, and probably for similar reasons, like Che, che Guevara, uh, because he was the same thing, came from wealth, and then, you know, he died in the jungles fighting for different people. One of my favorite baseball players. Hold on, flip it back. Is, I, missed, I missed it. I missed the part who you was talking about, a baseball player with a cannon for an arm. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Roberto Clemente. That would have been the third guy. Yeah. But you also uh, said Che Guevara. I did. <laughs> So which one we got five? No, you can so take I'm five. Che, I'm taking shit. Roberto Clemente. Oh, okay. He was like a legendary baseball player. My yeah. social studies teacher loved him, and there was a pitcher that he loved who was Hispanic. 
who hit a guy with a baseball bat. You know who I'm talking about? No, I don't. Shit. I want to look up this guy's name, but it was Roberto Clemente, and it was a guy who hit a guy in the head with a baseball bat. I want to Google it right now. You keep talking, I'm going to find out who it is. Go ahead. Talk, talk yeah. about Roberto Clemente. So, so, I, so I was saying, like, one of my favorite baseball plays is to play at the plate or or uh, play at any base where the outfielder throws them out. It, it, I feel like it's, it has the most excitement. I guess it's up there with the stealing a home, but the play at the plate is is super duper exciting uh, on TV, but even more so in person. And uh, he's made some brilliant throws from the outfield. Uh, and, you know, but not only that, as a humanitarian, the man dedicated his life to the people. He loved the people. He died serving the people, right? So he dies in an airplane crash on New Year's Eve, flying humanitarian aid to Nicaragua. You know, he wasn't even Nicaraguan, right? So, but he, but that's how he died, and and, and it's almost like fitting, right? It's almost poetic uh, in that sense. And uh, like I said before. Athletes will let you down, right? But yeah. you know his his life was cut short. Never had the opportunity. So all we have are these positive, amazing memories of him. Not only being a great athlete, but a great person. And so I'd like to get, get some dirt on him, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like your answers because they're they're much deeper than just like who would you like to have a beer with. Like which mine are kind of simple. I'm gonna tell you mine because I took yours. So I'm gonna tell you mine. Mine would be I would go to the bar. That I went to with all my friends when I was in my 20s, a place called Murphy's. My friend Dave married into the family who owned it. And it was just like, yeah, it was like cheers. It was just the place where we went in New Paltz. It's closed now. It's a piano bar, but it would be there. People I would go with, I'd go with Jesus. It's one of them. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Jesus, obviously, because, you know, he likes beer. Yeah. yeah and then like, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, just to have somebody, he seems like he would, yeah. You wouldn't like you could go all night uh, with him, and um, the third one's tough because I, I used to say Ric Flair, but I heard like Ric Flair is like a real racist, like asshole. <laughs> like he's known for being like a a nut, and you know you don't want two people who are crazy. You don't want like two like Stone Cold is the guy who's going to get drunk like crazy. Yeah. Jesus is the guy you can talk to. Uh, you don't need two people who are going to go crazy drinking. So my third person, I don't I don't know if I have a third person. It's it's funny because it's not like it's not like a sports player because uh, there's no sports players that I love that much like even as like as 49ers. Not Joe. What is that? Not Joe Montana. Nah, he's boring. Like doesn't seem like an interesting person in that way. I, I'm I'm just gonna stick with the two because it's gonna get boring if I try to figure out the third one. But it's just with Jesus and Stone Cold. And the third person would probably be a stranger because I just love talking to strangers when I'm drunk. Probably my favorite thing to do that I miss. Like now that I'm older, like I don't get drunk and go out. If anything, I get drunk and stay home. But I would love just starting a conversation with nobody. Just like start talking to them, you know, fucking figuring out what they're about. I always love doing that. So one of my favorite things about you is that you're horrible at taking compliments. It's my favorite thing about you. It cracks me up. I know how to make you uncomfortable immediately. All I have to have to do is say something nice about you. And you just clam the fuck up, which is hilarious. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why can't you like? It's so funny because I'm the opposite. Please give me all the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> I live off that shit. I'm like, just tell me I'm good at something, please. So why is it so? Why does it make you so awkward and uncomfortable? 
Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I I don't have the answer to it. I don't know. I think I think I I definitely have um, like imposter syndrome. Like I'm yeah. constantly waiting to get found out that I really suck at everything I do, uh, because that is my opinion that I I, I suck at everything. Um, that I'm more like. I'm sorry. Yeah, do you I think, think that's why like you work so more like, than you? You know what I'm saying? What did you say? I said, I think I, I, I'm more like Bill than like you, you which know? is complete nonsense. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so I'm constantly living in that kind of state. And um, while I do want to be good at, 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 you know, certain things, you know, I, I just focus on how poorly I do certain things. And so- you're like a troubled athlete. <laughs> you really are, though. Like, you remember Michael Jordan, like Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech was about how. No, no, you're not like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's a prick. I'm sorry. That's completely incorrect. Um, but so many athletes are, are they focus on what they do wrong and it makes them really good at something. So like they'll never sit there and go, oh, I'm, I'm really good at running routes. I'm the best at this. Like they're confident, but they think they can always get better at something or, or they always feel like they're not good enough at something. And it's always funny because I always felt like I needed, like I felt like if you mix the two of us, we'd be the greatest human being ever. <laughs> Because your work ethic is insane. I remember I'd be working with you and I want to be like, could you slow the fuck down? Like you need to just, I don't think that, I don't, no one's really noticing us here. (laughs) And I'm like, you don't got to do all that, man. Like, let's just, and I'd always think I'm doing a great job. I'm always like, I'm fucking fantastic. I'm awesome. But I, yeah, I'm killing it no matter what. I could not be killing anything. And I'm like, I'm good. And you'd always be like, "Now nah, I got to do more. I got to do this. And I got to do that. And I'm like, if, if I gave you a little bit of me and you gave me a little bit of you, it would be like the perfect balance of a person, which cracks me up. So my other thing is like, what, you know, you seem to work so hard at being good at something. So why do you model yourself after Bill Smith? <laughs> I, I really don't want to. Uh, but I, I do. I do feel like I have like. Uh, misplaced sense of loyalty um you know misguided kind of like i i have mentioned once to to marilyn i said you know not only do i want to work but i want you to give me so much work that i can't handle ridiculous that that i'm gonna be stressed out that i'll be like holy shit i'm gonna have to come in early stay late I, i want i want so much that there's no possible way I can do it. That's what it's I want. insane, dude. And this is what I like. When I got this new job, I recommended you to to the guy who I worked with within like a day because I literally think that you could do almost anything. And I know you don't like compliments. Fuck you, taken anyway. Because I was like, no, 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 you could do this job. Like you could kill it. What I've learned is that they're just not filling that role. I've been there three months now, not a peep. And like they direct me to. One of the other ladies who's just a training specialist there. So I think she's like the she's acting as that role. But you know how they do that. Like if you take that role on, they'll just be like, OK, they're not going to pay that person. Like within uh, within a couple of days, I was like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. fucking you kill it. Because like you come up with solutions that like I'm like, why are you working? so hard? <laughs> You'd be like, I was on Google and I YouTube. It. And I'm like, dude, like you don't got to do all that. Well, like it's not necessary. <laughs> like you're trying too hard. Oh it stinks like beer in here. It stinks like beer in here. Okay, that's my wife. Love you. Love I, you too. I, be- I believe we've met before. Could have been <laughs> once or twice. So good night. Good night.
Love you too. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> don't want anyone to know I'm loved. That's getting edited. <laughs> yeah, man. We don't do that around here. No, but it, it is funny because um, I think that's that's one of the things that makes you really good at something. But it, it is weird because you, you don't get to enjoy it because you're always like, oh, no, I, I could be doing better. But I just had to bring that up because I love uh, I love that about you. It cracks me up. <laughs> and the joke that, that was a joke about why do you model yourself after Bill Smith? I, <laughs> of hope, you, I hope you got that. I was like, uh, uh, I don't really mean that. Uh, one one more thing. Well, two more things. And then we're going to get into a lightning round deal. So um, you're a Puerto Rican dude from Brooklyn. Yeah. But you like alternative rock music. Yeah. Like every time I worked with you and you'd be humming a tune, it'd be like Pearl Jam. <laughs> and it cracks me up because I'm I'm white trash from Ulster County, New York. And I'm like listening to like Nas, Most Def, Lupe Fiasco, The Roots. What happened? Where? Wh- why did we... <laughs> Like it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, so I, I did, I did uh, get into rap music in in college. My my college roommate was really into underground uh, rap, and he put me on to you know a lot of different groups. And I think I shared this with you before. Uh, I became friends with a guy who was in a uh, fraternity, a, a black fraternity. They were looking for opening acts for Redman. So I brought some guys from East New York to do performances. Did you really? Open... Yeah. No, you never be... told me this. This is before Redman was Redman. And, he was just uh, a dude. He was like yeah. Reggie Noble, I think his name was. So, so he had just come out with Time for Some Action. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good one. Yeah, it was great. gaining a lot of traction. And, you know, people people knew about him. And so I brought these guys, Puerto Rican and Dominican guys, to do some opening acts from East New York. And so, you know, after that, I was going to a lot of underground clubs and stuff like that. But but like I mentioned before, I was still very involved in the church. When I go spend my weekends with the Capuchins, it was a lot more, you know, folksy music and uh, you know, not even religious music. And then yeah. so I, I just got into a lot of kind of like live band kind of music and that's the way it kind of evolved so it, it, that is pretty funny because um yeah i always wondered i'm like why does he like like and it's like such a stereotype like oh you're from brooklyn you're puerto rican you gotta like rap music <laughs> it is what it is but it was funny because i get that now that like the life you were living at that time that formative time of your life hip-hop music isn't necessarily conducive to that type of teaching or lifestyle all right so i got one more for you one thing i always um admired about you and because i i met you when my daughter when did i start working at st dominic's 2018 yeah 2018 yeah something like that so my daughter was like four three at that time actually no she was four at the time but still pretty young one thing i always uh, admired about you i, I thought you were like a, a good dad you, you seem really involved in your kid's life like but but like most good dads like really involved but also they drive you crazy sometimes. Like that's Absolutely. what you learn from being a father. Like you love the shit out of them. Also, <laughs> you know, they fucking drive you crazy sometimes, but that's how you know you're a good dad. Cause that means you're in the mix. You know, you're in the mix. If they're not driving you crazy, I'm questioning you. If you're like, Oh, they're just the greatest thing on earth. And oh, no, you doing shit than- then. <laughs> exactly. Like I don't think you're actually fully involved with the situation. So you have Gabriella, right? Who she says she's 27. You have Sawyer. She's 15, right? Uh, She's 14. 14. And Holden, who's? 15. 
Fifth Holden's older than Sawyer? Yep. I never knew that. Yeah. Well, she was always bigger than him, right? He's taller than him. Yeah. He's taller than him. So in my head, I was just like, oh, she's... wow, that's funny. I never knew that. So what 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 is like one of my favorite things is talking to dads and like what what has being a dad been like to you? Um, I think a lot of men are age, right? I mean, we're different. We're 10 years apart, but still feel like we're from a similar generation. Our fathers come from a different time. Yep. We're like being a father was like just not being the worst guy on earth. <laughs> like, like, oh no, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't kill my child. So I did a good job. Uh, and we grew up with different expectations. Absolutely. Completely. So what is, what is being a father been like for you? And like, what's your favorite part about being a dad? Yeah, I, I feel like I, I mean, I feel like I'm gonna get like really super duper cliche. First of all, thank you for the compliment. Uh, I, I think the same thing about you. Matter of fact, often when uh, we 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 reflect back on stories when you were with Saint Dominic's, uh, either Marilyn or mostly Solange, you should yeah. talk about your dedication to your family because uh, that really stands out. Uh, and I and I think that was part of the bond that we had. Uh, just a, just a deep appreciation and love for uh, our family and our kids, our kids uh, especially. Uh, like I said, cliches, my kids in my life. I really yeah. cannot imagine life without them. I don't want to live in a world without them. 100%. Um, uh, they bring me a, a, a lot, a lot of joy. Um, I, you know, we, we were talking about not being able to take a compliment. Uh, I I relive every single mistake I've made with them and rearing yeah. and raising them, um, uh, you know, because I feel like they need the best and they deserve yeah. the best. Uh, I really uh, love, like, because I have this this perspective because Gabrielle is older; she's twenty seven. Really, really love the young woman she's become. Yeah. Uh, I I I if I could, I would spend all day long with her because yeah. I just like to be in her presence. I think she's super smart, sweet, kind. She's one of the nicest people I know. Uh, and I think I would say that if she wasn't my daughter, uh, but the fact that she is just gives me a lot of pride. And, and and I see it also, you know, with Holden and Sawyer, their kindness, their love of family, uh, their desire just to spend time with each other and their, their bigger sister. Um, all that stuff just fills me with a lot of joy and pride. So, so you know, I think about the things I did wrong, but I'm like, hey, we got a couple of things right. I want them to have the easiest life possible, of course, and all the, that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you, you know, we asked the question, orientation, would you prefer to go back in time to see your ancestors or go into the future to see your, like, descendants? Stuff like that, and almost That's everybody. A good question. Everybody said they want to go and meet like their grandparents and no. their great grandparents. I was like, I want to meet my kids' kids. Yeah, 100%. You know? I want to meet my grandkids, and I want to see what's happened and what they've become. And so, kind of, some most people are like, yeah, but you'll get there. There's no, you no. can't get back. No, no, no. Yeah, you but don't to know. Me, it, it's all about them. And, 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 and that's where I want to be. You know, I, I just want to be in their presence, you know, with their time and everything like that. Yeah. I'm the same. Like, I, I, I agree hundred percent. Like, you know, what's my biggest fear in life is, and I, I'm not, I'm not joking. My biggest fear. I, I think I've told you before, I'm a hypochondriac. Yeah. I've had panic attacks because I thought something was wrong with my health. I had to go to the ER because of that. Uh, Cause my biggest, and this didn't happen until I had kids did not happen until I had kids. 
because once I had kids, I got so terrified of not being here for the things for them. And, and, I, and I've said this, I think every episode that I've done this, <laughs> but a hundred percent, like if I'd give anything to see like my kids, kids, kids or whatever. Yeah. Like I want to see everything of my kids. Like I, I want to live long only for that. Like not necessarily because I want to be 90 years old, but I just want to see as much as I can of my kids stuff. And I think you said it really well that like, I do the same thing where I think about all the things I've done wrong. I think about the words that I've used. I think about should I've done this and not that. And I think that's what makes you a good parent, honestly, is the fact that you're constantly questioning because just like almost like what you were saying before, if you almost like, almost like if you don't believe you're good at something, you're going to constantly be working on it. Whereas like if I meet someone and they're like, I got this shit down, I'm like, like, you are not doing the job. (laughs) Like I feel like any good parent is, is, they can acknowledge that they have shortcomings and they're trying harder, but they're always trying to get better. And I, I find myself in that same spot. Um, so my other question to you is that like, you have a 27 year old. So are you ready to be a grandfather? Are you, are you, when is that going to be an idea? Yeah. I mean, I would love to have a baby around here. Grandpa um, can. Yeah. I, I don't want a full-time baby. So. <laughs> no, exactly. Like weekend. Man. I, w- I would absolutely be over the moon. Like, like I feel like that's not what she wants. So I would never yeah. ever push it. No, whenever you're she's good ready, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be really happy uh, about it. Yeah, I look forward to those days too. And I'm far off, like I'm far off, but I still think about it. Like I can't wait till we have a baby around here. And like I just turned forty, but I'm like, fuck out. I give. Like I was joking around the other day. I was like, I don't. Want I was to- Gabby right now. Gabby's nine. She just turned nine last week. So it's like, I don't want, like, I would never want a teen pregnancy. (laughs) But like, I'm, but I have such a fear of not seeing stuff. I'm like, well, you know, at least I'd see the kid then. Cause I'm like, you know, I had Gabby when I was 31, you know, when I was 36. It's a lot of time there. So I think our timeline is our timeline. Like you said, you have 15 and 14, and you said you're 50, right? Yeah. So you had them in your mid thirties. Your, your other your other two children you had in your mid thirties. So our timeline's similar on that one, but you do have a much you know you have a kid who's much older. So um, you're hedging your bets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think I got one more for you. Now that we had some fun, let's get dark again. I go from dark to light, dark to light, dark to light, dark to light. I like to get in the depths. The world ends. How? How's the world gonna end? Yep. Uh yeah, so I I think it's gonna be I, I think it's gonna be gradual through uh, global warming. You know, yeah. I think um, look I outside. Think yes, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think it's it's sustainable. I think uh, we're gonna keep having natural disasters. Um, uh, you know, I, I was reading um, in Arizona they they stopped building developments because they're gonna run out of water. That's and, so sad. Oh my god! <laughs> so sad. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It is. Yeah, uh, terrifying. I, I think I read somewhere else, and I think it might be Arizona, um, that the Saudis bought the aquifers underneath the their land, so they own their water supply. Um, why would somebody do that? Because they know what's coming up. They know what's up. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't think we're prepared. Uh, you know, deforestation and the 
melting of the ice caps. And I think we're totally, utterly screwed. And we're not going to be able to turn this around. And I think there's a, a bunch of people with a lot more money and are smarter than me. And they're looking for ways out. They're like, we're going to a different planet. Yeah. I'm going to get left here. So all those ap- apocalyptic movies where, you know, there's a group of ragtag people. Yeah. That's going to be the Rodrigo's. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it ain't fair. It ain't going to be the Brinks either. That's for sure. <laughs> we're not making it through to the next level. Yeah, man. It's funny because um, there's so much worry about like um, AI right now. That's like such a hot topic. Yeah. And that's been always, a th- I-, I always love sci-fi shit. So it's like, uh, AI becomes sentient, uh, starts thinking for its own, starts eliminating humanity, and so many people are worried about that. But I was actually thinking about that today. And computers are efficient, right? Like computers learn to do things at the most efficient way. So like if computers were to eliminate humanity, probably be really like that's actually not like that sounds dark and ominous, but probably not. They would probably just like there would just be like a bot that came behind us, stuck a needle through our skull. Like to eliminate, you know, bullet use or, you know what I mean? Like we would all just be getting popped with little needles and drop dead. That that sounds dark, but you just, you probably wouldn't even see it coming. And like the the one you explained, it, it's funny because they, they talk about the AI like it's a hellscape, but like, no, no, no. The real hellscape is kind of like what you, you're talking about is that we, we just end up reaping what we sow, like in all the horrible ways, like food shortages just you know intense heat people dying of starvation like that is the real scary thing like i almost like the ai thing seems like a mercy kill <laughs> like if they all just just decide like how do we get rid of humans they're like well we got to get rid of them as fast as possible to to stop resistance so let's all just you know like put a shock through their brains while they're using their cell phones or something <laughs> like and it would just be quick cleanup like they were cleaning up uh you know shit off the road but that's Pretty dark. So I told you, I go from light to dark, light to dark. So back to light, and we're going to finish off here. Um, uh, so this is going to be like, I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you, quick answer type style. Yep. And every time I do this, I, I swear, when I listen to this back, I'm like, oh, I should have asked about this. So I'd like to have you on again. I love. I like to say that. That sounds professional. I'd like to have you on again. So lightning round. Here we go. Quick answer. Uh, the bar or pregame? Uh, the bar pregame. I'm going the bar. You go with the bar, huh? Yeah. You like the bar scene more than the hanging out. Before I, I, you go I think. Out? I think because right now I miss it. It's been a long time, and I miss that socialization and stuff. I and miss you it too. Kind of had me being nostalgic for it, talking to strangers. Yeah. I haven't been into a dive bar with strangers in a long time, and I miss. I it. went about two months ago, where like these dads in Beacon, like didn't even know them, but I knew one of them, and they were trying to set something up, and they're like, "Oh, let's all meet on the second Friday." And I went out and I got to say, yeah, it was actually a great time. It was all strangers. And then it was like, we ended up talking about like wrestling from the 1980s. And the guy was like a hardcore Republican. We started talking about like trans rights and stuff. It was actually really fun because it was just like chatting with people. I go pregame, but nevertheless. Stadium or a great home setup for watching a game? Uh, it's home. Yeah, I'd rather be home to do that. I do, do love going to a game. Uh, but um, there's nothing like watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because the games, you know, you asked that question 20 years ago and maybe the, maybe the, the answer is different, but the games have become so, so enhanced at home and getting there and the money that it costs and like all the things. And Gil, I was going to add that and I'm cheap. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would love to go to see the Knicks 
but yeah, no, happened. it's it's crazy. It, it's like going to a game. I I go by myself to a game. Last game I went to, I went by myself, and it was like six years ago, and it was still two hundred dollars for a ticket, fifty dollars for parking, two hour drive. You know, here's another one for you. This is a fun one. Uh, Trump or DeSantis? <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, I absolutely loathe. I hate, despise Trump. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I wish death upon him. I really do. <laughs> me too. You know, as a Christian, that that bothers me. But He's I look an evil person. To... If you wish death upon Hitler, would you be a bad person? Uh, yeah, I want He's him to contribute heart attack and die from all the greasy burgers he eats. <laughs> so DeSantis sucks. He's a bad person and a human being. But if I had to choose between the two, I choose DeSantis. Yeah, really? I, I see. I worry because I feel like DeSantis is a little bit more smarter. Yeah, I think he is. You're right. And Trump is more of an egomaniac who. But you know what's scary about Trump? He's um, he has a vengeance to him that DeSantis doesn't have. Whereas he has like a, if I get in type of situation. So, all right. I, that's interesting. Okay. I got two or three more upstate or New York city. <laughs> uh, the more and more I get older, the more uh, living upstate appeals to me. Uh, recently I was looking online at campgrounds and the cat skills and, I'm like, ah, maybe I could retire and run like a campground. And uh, never, ever in my wildest dreams what I thought I, I'd want to do something like that. But um, I want to go further north. That's shocking to me. I totally thought you were going to say New York City. That's, that's I mean, I, I say upstate because I lived upstate my whole life. But that's interesting. Okay, one, uh, three more for you and then we're out. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert, one of them gets shot to the moon. They're not dead, but they just have to live there forever in, uh, you know, until they died of natural causes on the moon. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think out of the two, the, the one that is, uh, the worst out of the two is, is Marjorie Green Taylor. Yeah, I agree. She's got more evil something to her. Yeah. And, 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 and for whatever reason, she's able to, Gain more traction with that base than Bobert is. I think because Bobert is just dumb. They're yeah, that's both what it dumb, is. But a Bobert is just like she's not vile. She's like a pawn. She feels like a pawn, like exactly. a piece. She is a pawn, used. right? Yeah. She's a puppet. Yeah. And and this one, you know, she she's she thinks on her own. She's a dumbass, but she's yeah. got her own. So I would shoot her way the hell out. <laughs> Uh, you know, because because I, you know, I could see her being on someone's ticket one of these days. Oh yeah, yeah, she could be vice president. She could. Whereas like, Trump, would, I would not be shocked if Trump picked her to be. I mean, it would be ridiculous. But I think Bobert fizzles out eventually. She gets voted out, and we don't hear from her again. Yeah, because she, like you said, um, it, it's kind of like the example of being put in a position and being capable of like danger. And then also being put in a position and just clearly just being controlled. Marjorie Taylor Greene, capable of danger. Lauren Boebert is literally like, I felt like she was like the Republican AOC. Not that not that she was as qualified as her, but like AOC was like a really attractive woman, young, um, right. nice to look at, like this is what it is. And Lauren Boebert, 
was like the Republican version. Like she was a younger woman. She was all in the gun rights. So she was just like the, yeah, the we, foil, like, oh, we're gonna get somebody feisty and attractive and and yeah. yeah. Who you who you could go, yeah, we'll get behind her. Uh and yeah, she's just a bonehead. Uh two more. Favorite sports arena. Favorite sports arena. I haven't been to a ton of them. Uh stadium do, arena, all the same. Yep. I don't mean like you know, I, I, been I mean I do have um, like a soft spot for old baseball stadiums. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been to Wrigley and I've been to Fenway. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Fenway Park. Really? As a Yankees yeah. fan? As a Yankees fan, it hurts me. But I really, I mean, place is a dump. It really is. But I love it. I, there's something about it that I just really, really like. Yeah, it's like when I went to Candlestick Park in San Francisco, it was a fucking dump. <laughs> it was an absolute dump, but it had so much magic to it. Yeah, it had dude. It had a big screen that was like the size of just like a big screen you would get at like Best Buy nowadays. It was like a seventy inch one at <laughs> the far end zone, and there was only one of them. So, <laughs> and I was cheap at that time, so my seats were in the other end zone. And it was just like, this is such a dump. But it was like, it was a magical place. It's a place I saw my whole childhood, like the background, the, the you know, the the bay next to it. It held a, it held a special something. So I got one more for you. And this is the toughest one. Wegmans or American University? Wegmans? Like the supermarket? Yeah. Or American University. Or American University. You, come on, you don't get where I'm going with this one? No. Bill. <laughs> the stories were always about Wegmans or yes. American University. <laughs> it was uh, about it was always a Wegman. It's funny, I was in I was in Pennsylvania the day I saw Wegmans. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think about Billy Boy. He would always yeah. talk about American University and the woman yes. who her dad ran the candy company. He yeah. tell the same stories. He was, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so the the grocery store Wegmans, the pop. Oh, what do you call soda in your neighborhood? Yes, if you're in Carolina, if you're in Georgia, what do you call it? Every single time, man. So, so I'm going Wegmans on that. But what what I can't, like people miss him. People Who? miss him Who? and. And they pine for him. They're like, oh, I can't believe. Oh, we miss him. Oh, when you hear from him, like, how? It's like how you miss David Letterman. Like, no one actually missed, like, not because he was good. They they, was, they have Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, like he was <laughs> captive for a decade and a half. <laughs> it's funny because there was people who looked for him. But we, we remember why. Because he was doing shady shit. He was doing underhanded shit. It was so funny, though. They were like, oh, is this Bill doing it? And I'm like, what? I remember there was like once or twice where he had a time where I was like, oh, okay, maybe he can do this well. And that's out of like hundreds of times <laughs> around yeah. this guy. It was, but he was an inspiration always. I still remember when he had to redo a PowerPoint <laughs> and he just literally white, white, white <laughs> slides. It was like a test. <laughs> And he's like, I redid it. <laughs> he just typed it back. <laughs> Not a single bit of flair. Oh, my God. Too funny. So, Ken, thank you, man. This was fantastic. This went so much longer. Good time. 
Then I, I, I said my favorite part about this doing this is talking to some of my favorite people who I don't get to talk to that much. It's like an excuse. I'm like, I'm doing this so I can just talk to old friends. I'll um, curse you out in the morning when I'm tired. Yeah, well, you can't curse me out, so you can curse somebody else out. Take it out on the people who you're doing training with. <laughs> but, Ken, I love you, man. Thank you so much. All right. Um, it was good talking to you. Yes, sir. And uh, get, your, get your ass to sleep. I kept we'll you do. long enough. All right, All right take man. care, Ken. Be good. Later. Bye-bye. So that was Ken. Uh, he did wish death upon Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, you know, you may think that's extreme. Uh, might be, but I do understand that we did live through somebody for four years who really put this world on absolute edge. And uh, if that's the way out of this thing, because it doesn't seem like it's going to be through an election, uh, I, who knows? You know what? <laughs> Sometimes you just want to say goodbye to a problem. But he he, he was a, a great guest and he was very generous with his time. We talked for about two hours. My favorite part about doing this podcast is the fact that I get to talk to the people who I find interesting, good friends uh, for a long period of time. It's not uh, something we get to do nowadays, especially as you get older. I, I thought it was interesting that Ken became a Yankees fan because of his dad. Because of his dad. And how many men have the same story? I know my story. You look last week when I was talking to my father, he was a sports fan because of his dad. He would watch his dad play football. He would go to the field. He would come on the field. That connection he had with his father really made sports a huge part of his life. I know myself, same story. My dad was a huge football fan. We might not have done a million things together, but we watched football games. We watched boxing matches. We watched wrestling matches. Uh, wrestling matches. I do think we're in a different time of parenthood. I don't think you'll see as many uh, men growing up who have that intense attachment to sports due to the fact that men are connecting with their kids in other ways nowadays. It doesn't have to be just about the sports. Kids don't always have to watch the thing the parent's watching. You see dads at plays, violin recitals. I know a lot of dads I see around here in Beacon, very present fathers, uh, showing love and, and, and being for them and being there for them in many ways. So. It is a bright future. <laughs> Maybe we won't have as many crazy Yankees fans and 49ers fans and Red Sox fans. Uh, but maybe we'll have uh, people who have a little bit more uh, options to do things with their dad in the future. But we still appreciate the men that were there. Um, a lot of times they've done the best they could with what they could. Uh, could they have done better? Sure. But a lot of times we're just trying to do better than the last person, right? So thanks again for joining. Uh, if you like this show, I, I hope you do. Uh, if you like it, please subscribe. Uh, I don't know exactly which platform you're using. I would say listen through Spotify. That's the best way to listen to it. You can follow us on there. You'll get every episode. If there's a way to rank it, go ahead. Give it five stars. Uh, if there's a way to tell a friend, there is a way. You just say, hey, uh, I was listening to this cool podcast by this guy, BJ, and I think you'd really like it. You should give it a shot. And then tell him about just some people on Spotify. And maybe we'll grow our viewers or listeners to the teens of hundreds. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'm going to wrap up at that point. Uh, next week, we're going to have a special guest. Uh, 
it's going to be the first time we don't have a guy on the show, so that'll be fun. We're going to have my daughter, 18-year-old Sophia Morgus, who's just graduating from school uh, in the next couple weeks. It'll probably air right around the time she's graduating. So we're going to talk to her about what that's like. It's a scary time for people. I think we all remember graduating high school, going out there into this world. world looked a little different. In my time, when I was 18, 9-11 was what the world was. So it had its challenges back then too, but I'm really interested to see what her experience is like and uh, see what she uh, thinks about me maybe. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much once again. Like, subscribe, rank, thumbs up, tell your buddy, tell your dog. Appreciate it. Bye.